Welcome to episode three of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. I guess that's what we've dubbed it. Stoughton has done some work on the logo, <laughs> so now it's identifiable out there in the world. Yeah, I didn't uh, square that with your friend who did the, the thing, and I know, you know people understandably you know, don't. It was a work of art, and you know, arguably you improved it. Uh, I don't know. I thought the you know the orange lettering fit with the vibe. That's not we're, we're not here to discuss graphic design. That's <laughs> well, not we haven't talked about it yet ourselves. Generally, yeah. going to do on the show. Obviously, that you know that's a tough loss for the Blue Jays when the when this team scores five runs, they kind of expect to win at this point, um, which is maybe not something you would have said about them last year. But the pitching has been so good, especially the bullpen. Stone, what are your first impressions coming out of that game where it just seemed like they got opportunity after opportunity, and with the exception of you know, Zach Collins and his unbelievable bat were unable to cash in. <laughs> it is so absurd that Zach Collins and his unbelievable bat are a thing we're still talking about in May here. Like, I I did not, not expect. For long, I don't think. Wow. Well, you know, he's gonna, I, I, did, I did say Juan Francisco when I, you know, when he first started to get hot. And uh, I may have to stand by that. Like, Juan, Fer- Juan Francisco had that year where he was great for two months and then steadily declined for two more months and then has never played in the big league since. Um, I, ho- I hope that's not the case for Zach Collins. He seems like a fun guy. They're, the Jays account on Twitter retweets Zach yeah, all the Twitter time. Great presence, the W, you know, yeah. fan favorite. People love it. And a big double here uh, in a game where, you know, You'd like to beat Cleveland. Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Savali, is that what they're saying? Is that what they were saying on the broadcast? Is that not how I would have pronounced on it the pronunciation. He's a, he's a, he's a bum. I'm going to put it that way. Like He's someone who's been shelled in all of his starts this season. Uh, going back to last year, I think his last seven starts, I was doing a little bit of research on him coming into this game. And I kind of had it in my head, like, this is the game where the Blue Jays offense is going to break out. Like, this is the guy. He, you know, he doesn't throw hard. His stuff isn't dynamic. And beyond that, he really relies on, you know, cramming that cutter into left-handed hitters and has run weird reverse platoon splits his entire career where guys, I think they slugged 490 against him, right-handed hitters in his entire career coming into this game. And I thought, okay, this is the ultimate blow-up spot for the Blue Jays offense. And then they got off to that great start with the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home run. And, you know... You can make a lot of excuses for this team. You know, it's early. Offense is down across the league. Runners in scoring position stuff isn't sticky over the long term. But the reality is, this was the Guardians' fifth starter. And, you know, one of the worst fifth starters that's kicking around there. Like, really a guy you got to smash. And they absolutely did not. Phrasing, by the way. Uh, Fair. (laughs) Yeah, fair. But, like, I mean... Five runs at this point, maybe that is smashing. I don't, you know, they got them humidors. They got that terrible ball that they're using. Uh, but no, I think I think you're right. Uh, Jose Barrios, do you have any worries about him? Uh, on account of how that's uh, <laughs> yeah. not been ace like so far. No, absolutely not. And not only that, you know, coming into this game, he had a lot of those games where people say, you know, there's always traffic on the bases, but he's working his way out of hard jams or, you know, the contact is hard, but it's at people. And it seemed like we were maybe cutting him too much slack. And you're inclined to do that because he's got that amazing track record of consistency. You know, every single year he has his ups and downs, but at the end he's got, you know, the ERA around four, maybe a little bit lower and he's pitching close to 200 innings and he's sort of, 
you know, the horse and a pitching staff. And that's what you assume he's going to be. But, you know, he had that obviously the brutal start on his first start of the season. And he's given up a lot of hard contact. I think coming into his game, his expected ERA was something like 8-11. Like, it was concerning. <laughs> and he, he, you know, he's not a pure soft contact guy. He's not a Ryu in his prime type of guy. But it really hasn't been good. And, the you know, the curveball, the slider, the breaking ball, whatever you want to call that pitch, it's missing some bats this year. But it seems like he's not missing bats with two strikes. Like, he's just not getting the strikeouts. Again, he's not the biggest strikeout guy in the world. But you got to strike somebody out. And, you know, the Guardians are a tough lineup for that. And they have a lot of lefties. I see why it's a tough matchup for him. He had a couple moments of bad luck, a couple moments of good luck as well. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're sounding the alarm on Brios right now. But you've got, you know, he's quite a few starts into the season. And he hasn't shown you as much swing and miss as you'd like to see. And the contact has been kind of nasty. And, you know, it's pretty definitive that at this point, he's the number three behind Gosman and Manoa. And you might have predicted that coming into the season, but you wouldn't have thought that it would be that clear this early. Oh, I think you're absolutely right on on all accounts there. Yeah. Uh, No, his I mean, I wrote this the other day, like he's never been. Well, he has he was a stat cast like his stat cast uh, percentile ranks a lot of red in 2018, 2019 since then it has been less red, uh, you know, some hard contact that he kind of gets away with. Uh, and, you know, I think everybody knew the whole time, you know, he's more of a, uh, more of a number two, a great number two than an ace. He hasn't quite pitched like that yet. I think he'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it is certainly interesting. Uh, gave them a chance to win, but I think you're absolutely right that like, well, everybody, look, Everybody's behind Gosman right now, and then uh, few teams have people who are as good as as Alcanoa right now. Except that, as you also say, <laughs> offense is down across the board around the league. So there are actually a few surprising kind of guys who you know. If you, uh, I think Cleveland may throw a couple at, at the Blue Jays this week. In fact. Yeah, and you know, obviously, it's unfair to compare him to the way Gosman and Mano have started because those guys have been, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and you would be more concerned if his velocity was dropping off a cliff. And I remember before Pete Walker came out there, he had one fastball. I think it was at ninety point seven, and that was kind of concerning. I thought, oh, what's going on? I kind of dug into it, like how often does he throw pitches like that? It, it does happen once in a while, so it wasn't like, oh my god, he's injured. And then he came out. He actually made good pitches against Jose Ramirez. I know he hit a, a screaming liner to get that out, but he, he had good pitches against him, got up against him 0-2, got up against Naylor 0-2. Like that pitch that Naylor hit that really sort of allowed mm. that inning to happen. Again, Brios had some good luck on the other side, so you don't want to just say, oh, he got hosed by bad luck all night, especially because he's had that hard contact. But man, you know, <laughs> that was... In the other batter's box. Like, it's yeah. it was a waste pitch. It's the kind of pitch that Greg Maddox would be mad at because it's not close enough to the plate at 0-2. And he just threw the bat out, and that was the whole catalyst for the inning. So, it, you know, it's easy to kind of go back in time, do a little revisionist history, and think, well, if that pitch hadn't gone the way it went, then, you know, it's a totally different conversation. But ultimately, he did not pitch well, and he hasn't been pitching as well as his ERA has been showing before this. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think people like to point to those moments and be like, that's a moment of bad luck. And then they rarely go to the moment that was a moment of good luck, like Ramirez, right. a couple of screaming yeah. liners. 
So it, you know, it, it cuts both ways and it cut both ways against him tonight. I don't know if he got actually that much worse than he deserved just in that particular moment. He certainly did. Uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, also welcome everybody. Thank you all for being here. Uh, queue up for some calls. If you like throw your comments in the chat, we'll Nick and I will gladly talk amongst ourselves, but, uh, Oh, I think we got, Oh, I think we landed one. Like we got one right away. Wow. <laughs> but well, you know, what? why don't we do it? Right. Go for it. Uh, Rob, you'll have to unmute yourself and you've done it. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm here. To, good to, good to I hear. Just, from you. Uh, I just, I just thought I had to have somebody call in for you guys. Oh, there'll be more. Don't worry about us. Yeah, <laughs> but thank you nonetheless. Yeah, we got Joe right in the queue, Rob. Hell yeah! There you go. Okay. Hey, I'm so glad that I'm so glad that Nick's a negative person because I tend to be negative <laughs> and worry about every single aspect of the team, regardless of how well we're going or not. Um, but do you think? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Barrios. I mean, it's a concern for sure. Um, Kikuchi pitched great. You know, we don't know whether that's going to continue. I hope so. We don't know what we're going to get with Ryu when he comes back. Do you see us trying to get another starter at some point this year around the trade deadline or earlier? Well, Nick, well, go, go ahead. I wanted to say I appreciate you showing some appreciation for the, my negative side. I know, you know, there's probably friends and family <laughs> out there that, uh, that don't always. Um, it's an interesting idea. The thing with that I think about is that they do have some – contingency options like you know they do have Ross Stripling I know that that's not sexy in the slightest but they do have Ross Stripling kicking around they will be stretching out Nate Pearson he's someone you can obviously never trust because of that injury history and whatnot <laughs> but you know the talent is still there they don't strike me as a team that is in quote-unquote desperate need of starting pitching but you also never know when injuries strike right like you know you're looking at the situation in May you come back in July and you know something's happened to Manoa and, you know, Ryu was never able to get back. And suddenly they look like a team that's desperate for starting pitching. My sort of going in presumption is that's not going to be their primary focus if guys are healthy. But saying if guys are healthy in relation to pitching, you know, it's always a total crapshoot. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that, like, I don't know, well, the next two months is really what's going to tell us, right? Like, they they will absolutely be going for a starter if Ryu comes back and is as bad as he was before. And if stripling isn't, you know, can only go four innings at a time. Um, but uh, it's not, like, it's, it's always frustrating as fans to be like, Oh, there's no, there's not going to be trades until like after the draft, uh, they've moved the draft. I don't even know what the hell the draft is now, but, uh, but it, it, you know, it was always like front offices could only focus on one thing at a time. Um, but I think there is a, like, there's reason for like most teams will try to, See what they got for a couple of months. I don't want to. I don't want to use the Wilner Billy Beanism of like you know two months to to figure out what you are, two months to fix it, and then two months to, for the structure. And but it's kind of. I think that kind of holds true a little bit. And I think uh, it wouldn't shock me if they needed to go out and get a starter. But also, I think Barrios, Gosman, and, and Manoa are going to be uh, as good as, as good a trio as you can find. And then whoever else goes in behind them will be fine as well. Uh, Kikuchi. Thank you for bringing that up. I think he was he was really uh, encouraging the the other night. Yeah, I mean Kikuchi is someone who could be pretty good at the back end of the rotation in theory. It's also easy to look at the team you follow and say, okay, here's the hole 
you know, they, you know, they're fourth or fifth starters and great. And it's easy to forget that that's the case for basically every team, not literally every team. Like there'll be a Dodgers or someone kicking around with, you know, six or seven capable starters somehow. Uh, but realistically, the guys, if you count on that trio, which as Stoughton said, I don't think you're going to do that much better than those top three. The bar for the guys below that, even for a good team, for a playoff team, which, you know, I think the Blue Jays are going to be, especially with this expanded playoff field, the bar for your fourth and fifth guy are, you know, it's not that high. So I, I don't consider the situation kind of zooming out to be quote unquote a problem, but that can obviously change in a hurry. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Rob. Hell yeah, man. Appreciate you uh, calling in. Uh, I think we're moving on to Joe. Hey, I also have a bit of a negative question to ask you guys. Oh, you got the right. You got the right guy here with Nick. <laughs> uh, it and it's definitely a little too early to be asking this question, but man. Uh, Going back to last year and also this year, Julian Merriweather hasn't quite been able to fulfill his potential. And I, I've been thinking about it, and I was just wondering how much leash do you give this guy before you really start to think about not necessarily cutting bait, but, I don't know, doing something with... I think to, to, to Buffalo, I think. I think he still has an option left. I, I, I'd have to look it up, but I think because he was hurt so much. Uh, and Josh Housem, who is a, a, a wonderful Blue Jays Twitter person who many of you probably know, uh, I, I was responding to him on Twitter today because he was like, he needs to go to to Buffalo and work on a sinker or a cutter or something where he can throw it. Maybe not as hard as his four-seamer, but the four-seamer is just too straight. And I looked it up and I looked at and he and I think his point was it's too straight since the uh, the crackdown on sticky stuff, as it were, uh, as we call it. <laughs> and I looked it up, and the the four seamer was like twenty four hundred RPM. Like I don't, I can't conceptualize what any of this means, uh, except just they're just like weird abstract numbers to me. The the RPM stuff, but like twenty four hundred uh, is where he was at in April of last year. Since he's been back, it's been about twenty two hundred. League average is twenty three hundred, so he used to have an ab- above average spin on his four seamer. And then the crackdown happened, and since then he's been it's been below average. Like I know there there can be, you know, variations. I don't I don't I don't really know what I couldn't tell you right now. Like what's a great RPM to have on your four seamer, or what's a terrible one to have. But I saw that and it was like oh from above average to below average that sort of tracks right and uh, and and the the spin on the on a four seamer obviously uh, dictates how much it moves. Uh, out of the hand, and whether it rises or whether it, you know, whatever it does. Uh, and I think the less that it, my understanding is the less that it spins, the easier it is to to figure out what, uh, you know, to to get the trajectory out of somebody's, somebody's hand, which uh, does feel a lot like what's happening to Julian Marriott weather right now. And Josh's point was maybe he needs to work on a sinker or a cutter or something because this straight fastball though he can throw it hard, is not fooling a lot of people. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's fine. And also, at the end of this month, they're going to have to move a pitcher down anyway. So uh, I think he may be in line for a thing like that. And yeah, I mean, the I fact mean, that he's like, uh, that fastball is routinely getting hit when he leaves it in the zone should tell you that 
<laughs> not quite in a, an, a, as effective as a fastball as it should be. Which is weird because, you know, you see, you know, you see a Jordan Romano doesn't throw it as hard or you can throw it as hard. You see that Alec Manoa doesn't throw a fastball nearly as hard. Robbie Ray didn't throw a fastball that hard, but like people couldn't touch those. And, and you know, it's not just exactly about velocity, obviously. Yeah, we draw that straight line between velocity and quote-unquote stuff all the time, but it's obviously a lot more complicated than that. And, you know, Stone brings up, like, his stuff, with a capital S, has declined significantly since that, um, you know, since the sticky stuff crackdown. And he's got a bit of a weird repertoire. You know, he's got this change-up that's way, way, way slower than the fastball to the extent that you kind of wonder if it actually messes with hitters enough. Like, in theory, it sounds yeah. cool to be like, oh, I've got a changeup at 81, I've got a fastball at 97, but it might, you know, it's an almost unprecedented gap, and I'm not sure it quite works. And neither the breaking balls, it seem, it just doesn't seem like he's got great command on either of them, and they can look really nasty, and then you can, you can gif yourself some Julian Merriweather. There'll be some nice moments. Mm. <laughs> but the consistency isn't there. You know, right now they don't need him for high-leverage stuff, so maybe they can give him some leash to work things out, but he does have an option. Um, as a result of all these injuries and absences and whatnot. So, yeah, he's someone that you don't, you know, you don't need to give up on, nor do you need to put him in high leverage spots. You can kind of, whether it's low leverage or whether it's in AAA, you can give him time to figure stuff out. But we probably need to reevaluate what that ceiling is for him. And I don't think he's ever going to be as dynamic as he looked, you know, in 2020 at times or at the beginning of 2021. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. He could still be a contributor at some point, but there's clearly some kinks that need working out right now. Uh, I think I think that's right, Joe. Thank you very much. We're moving on to Brent. Hey, thank you very much. You guys can hear me, okay? Hell yeah, man! Uh, right on. Well, greetings from uh, from California. What, what's the phrase? Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I, I got a question, and I'm a bit of an optimist myself, I got to say, and, and maybe this is just me being an, being an optimist, but I was wondering what you guys think about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, I mean, this is a career you know, what, 280 hitter, and you know, I always kind of find myself wanting a bit more, and I know he has these insane hot streaks and that sort of thing, but you know, is this, do you think that this is just what we're going to get? I mean, I appreciate he's 28 years old, and yeah, like, are you guys thinking that there's, the ceiling is higher you know, anything like his brother or what are your guys' thoughts on him? Is this, do you think this is just what we're going to get? I mean, you wanted optimism, so we'll go to Stoughton first. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, spoiler alert, I'm actually a little bit sneaky optimistic on his development this year, but we'll give uh, Stoughton first. Oh, well, well, then I'm not, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this might just be who he is. I don't know. I mean, he did lose a lot of development time when he, you know, came from Cuba and there was like a, there was a lot of time where he didn't get reps and that was, you know, for a long time in his career. That was, uh, you know, a way that you could sort of be like, okay, well, he'll figure it out. Um, you know, he's fine. He's okay. But, yeah, I, I don't, you know. The, the, Brent, I think you're absolutely right. Like, the, the, the hot streaks are very tantalizing, but I, I just I don't see them happening a lot. You know, the defense is uh, average at best. At best. Yeah, at best, and, and and you know what that, and if he when he when he's hitting like four fifty for a month, that's fine. But then it does it does sort of come and go, um, and I understand why the Jays and why any team would be like very interested in in seeing if the you know they can they can make the good like you know 
make make the valleys low or higher and like you know keep the peaks you know because uh, he is a very he can be a very good hitter he can be a very good hitter obviously as we've all seen um but yeah I don't know I don't know uh, what I see there and and he was a guy who before everybody realized that he didn't have an, an extra year of arbitration uh, after his contract expires which I think is after like not next year but the year after was kind of like people were thinking that maybe he would be a trade uh, option. And then it didn't, it didn't make, it, it makes less sense to have a, to, to have a guy for three years or for two years, as opposed to three, if you're a rebuilding team, like if the pirate, the pirates aren't going to trade for a guy who's only under contract for two more years. Um, so I, they're just, I think they just kind of have to ride it out, but he is definitely a guy and they didn't do it this off season, but like the, the outfield is, uh, is, 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 oh, uh, you know, you could do other things with it. And they kind of have, I think, in, in, in having Tapia and having Zimmer, but obviously those aren't everyday players. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that he is, like, as much as he's fun and pina power and all that stuff, I don't know if he's as much a part of the core that they see going forward. Uh, and I don't know this by anything that they've ever said, but just assuming based on, you know, watching the team and knowing about the team. Um, you know, he's kind of a little more expendable, uh, which is a shame because I think he could be really good. But, you know, once you're 28, it's harder to to be like, oh, the, the progress is around the corner. That's fair. I, I think that sort of big picture, I would agree with most of that. The one thing I do think is worth noting with him is what's really generally bothered me about watching Gurriel Jr. is sort of the the really bad swing decisions. And we saw that tonight, like an absolutely brutal swing to strike out on a pitch way outside the zone in a crucial situation. But if you go through his chase rate from 2018 to 2021, you know, it's hovered around, you know, between 10th percentile and 17th percentile. Like he hacks way more than the average hitter. And this year, it's around the 60th percentile. Like he's been a lot more selective. That hasn't resulted in walks yet. I think it might longer term. Also his strikeout rate, just kind of reading it from 2019 to this year, 25.1%, 21.4%, 18.9%, 15.5%. So he's done a much better job of generating contact, which is important for a guy who doesn't walk much, but he's able to bring the walks up a little bit you know, the power hasn't been there yet this year, but you can see that coming around. I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar. I don't know if he's ever going to hit well enough that his sort of deficiencies in a non-premium defensive position make him, you know, a fantastic overall value. But he does so show some interesting signs of progress that I wouldn't have guessed he would show kind of two and a half years ago. So I, I remain a little bit more intrigued by him than I might otherwise for a player of his age and kind of his track record. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Brent, go ahead, man. No, that, that's, uh, that's great. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you so much, man. Uh, happy to hear from you. Happy to hear from anybody else. We, uh, the queue is empty, so... Uh, go to the, the comments. So queue up if you must. I mean, uh, also, I mean, Nick's wrong about uh, Ordis Gurriel. He's going to be terrible. <laughs> uh no, I don't think that I don't I don't agree with what I just said there. But also, while you were saying, you know, talking about his strikeout rates and walk rate, I'm like, oh, remember how Randall Gritchick uh, started yeah, starting? Out, you know, he traded he traded power for lack of strikeouts, and uh, it turns out it made him way worse. 
Yeah, but I don't think it, assuming people are going to be Randall Gritchuk is is fair to them. You That's know, I true. Think you deserve, people deserve more <laughs> of a chance than that, than to assume that they're going to be Randall Gritchuk, who's doing all right for the Rockies, by the way, for whatever wow. it's worth. Not that Dude. anyone cares. Well, a good, a good Christian man would. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just leave that there. Uh, a couple of Derek <laughs> Holland-related comments. Uh, yeah, I mean... He's he exists. He's a guy that uh, the Blue Jays have signed. That's I, a couple of comments here about the lineup too, like Vladdy hitting second. It is funny because sometimes it's easy to say, "Oh, people make too much of a big deal about the lineup." It does feel like there's been a lot of moments where Vladdy could have been at the plate, um, and he was not at the plate. And there are times where it feels like the team kind of defers to the players' comfort level over what is like quote unquote sort of the correct way to build the lineup. You'll never know whether that's right or not. Like Jose Bautista hit third a ton for the Blue Jays at times when he probably should have hit second or fourth. How many runs did that cost them? Did it cost them any? Again, you'll never know the answer to that question. But yeah, I would like to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit second. Like if I were filling the lineup, I agree. But there, there's something like he—he's like he—he he, he wants more preparation time. Uh, you know, at the start of the game, he doesn't want to just like group it and rip it once Springer is done. He wants to, you know, field it out a little bit more, which I guess I get. Yeah, but it's um, like taking two pitches and then a bat often, so I don't know how much help. I mean, he's hoping for that <laughs> bow foul off at bat, but, like, often bow's done in an, in one pitch, so I don't know how much that's helping. <laughs> well, often he's also down 0-2 very quickly. Um, did you hear uh, Dante Bichette's comments this week about Bo, about how he was getting under the fastball? And feels he bows looked better, you know, it's, been a lot better. And and it's it was you know there, you know, the, he Dante was talking. Dante's always like uh, uh, Nick. I know you know this, but like to anyone listening, like it, uh, it's just it's just fascinating to listen to. I don't even know if he's always right. Like talking about Bo getting under the fastball, I was like, oh man, I was compelled by that. And then I like looked at his ground ball rate. Which you know you, you can be yeah, under the exactly. ball and not necessarily just smack, but but like his ground ball rate is like sixty percent, and I'm like, well, I don't know if that means he is getting under the fastball that much, but um, but also just a really interesting guy to hear talk about hitting, and uh, and he definitely like earlier in the week when he was on with Blair and Barker talked about how he he literally as I pointed out in the thing I wrote about it like he didn't he was using it in the past tense like both str- he he was struggling. And was convinced that he's doing better. And you know what? Hard to disagree. He's been better. Yeah. I mean, Dante Bichette, you're right, says a lot of interesting things. You made a good point <laughs> about how, like, Bo getting under the fastball, you know, wasn't really what I was seeing or what the data was suggesting. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's valid. I, I think that zooming out for a second, it is kind of wild that we're listening to a guy's dad talk about his how his son's doing. I know that Bichette, you know, had a good MOB career and he got to hit in Colorado, which helped him. I don't know. I don't need to, like, undermine his career. He had a good MOB career. And he has valid things to say about hitting. I just think it's kind of funny to tune into the radio and hear someone's dad <laughs> talking about how their son's doing. You don't want to hear uh, Mitch Marner's dad talk about... Uh... Oh, God. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But also, also I, you know, I don't need to bring this up, but like I don't know. Uh, well, Dante Jr. kind of flamed out pretty quickly. I don't think Dante was... Uh, Dante didn't have a long peak himself. 
Uh, I think Bo's going to be the best of the three of them, but uh, sometimes, oh yeah, by a pretty good margin. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, the bar was not set very high, though. Da- I mean, Dante had a great career. Obviously, Dante made like seventy million dollars. That's why Bo doesn't need to sign a giant contract right now. Um, but I don't know those Bichette boys. I don't know. Well, I'm looking it up now. Dante Bichette, 8.9 <laughs> career war. So uh, Bo is going to eclipse that pretty soon. Yeah, we got a comment. Colby Rasmus's dad. Yeah, I was uh, thinking yeah, about Oz, that. Ozrob, a legendary Ozrob who's, uh, who's out there. Nobody knows what time it is in Australia right now, but uh, he's out there living it. Uh, oh, yeah. What was Colby's dad's name? Doesn't matter. It was Colby's dad. But yeah, we weren't hearing him. I don't know. We weren't giving him the same respect. We got Rob back in the queue. Well, because because Kobe's dad was not like a legit like cleanup major league hitter. He was just some guy from Georgia. I guess that's slightly different. I don't know. Do you want to take <laughs> Rob's call again? Oh well, I mean, if Rob's if Rob's uh, if Rob's around, well, what's 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 to stop us? Does Rob have more to say? Let's do it. Let's go, Rob. Rob, are you the same Rob as from before? And are you Oz Rob? There's a lot of we're we're pretty big with Robs lately. Turns out you're mute, you're muted though, man. You'll have to unmute. All right, yeah, it's almost noon here in Australia, and I've got nothing better to do, and I don't have a chance <laughs> to to phone in very often. So, oh yeah, man, thank you so much. Question. Um, this is a bit controversial, and I've sort of asked you this in the in the bat flip before, but. You know, talking about long-term extensions for Guerrero and Bichette, you know, I would lo- I, I can see that Guerrero, you know, Atkins called in the foundation the other day, right? And that leads me to think they should definitely extend him as soon as possible. But I know Bichette's hitting well, and I know he had a great year last year, but I've never had the feeling that he's our answer at shortstop, isn't shortstop in the long term. I mean, we've got Martinez in the minors. Maybe he moves to second. I don't know, but I've just got this feeling that if they're going to extend anyone, it would be Guerrero, but perhaps not um, Bichette. Any comments on that? I, I can't disagree. I mean, I think Bo's a, Bo can play shortstop. I don't think our, I don't think Arevalos Martinez is going to be the answer at shortstop. But uh, isn't, he, isn't he a shortstop? He is, but I don't in think so he's going to be a major league shortstop. Yeah, he's not going to be a major league caliber. He'll be worse than Bo. Uh, um, and like Groshans played there as well. Like, I mean, that's the thing. That's why, that's why they've tried so hard. I think with Bo to be like the, the blend of ability to play shortstop and being that good a hitter is so rare. It, you just, it just makes you that much more valuable. Um, Bo's probably, you know, ideally, you know, and we talked about this last, and I, I, I think, it, I mean, we're in a weird moment for Bichette because I think he's had a couple of high profile errors, which they always are when you're playing one run games and when you're a shortstop. Like last year, people were like, maybe Mark Simeon should t- uh, switch over to to short and Bichette should play second. And then he was kind of fine for the second half of the year. And I think that's a thing with young players. Uh, but I do agree that like, uh, like Bo Bo is a, a, a great talent, and I think can be a, a, an all star for many years. But I uh, but I think Vlad is just like on on an, a very other level than that. Yeah, but there's no questions about Vlad. Like, I guess you could try and dredge up the conditioning concerns, but realistically, you know, he's done everything with the bat in 2021 and, you know, carried most of it forward into 2022 such that 
you can believe with a lot of confidence that he'll stick in the middle of your order and be a bat, you know, foundational bat for years and years and years to come. Bo, you know, his bat carries a little bit more question marks. I think he has enough of a track record that you feel good about it. And the defense, yeah, they're pretty far down the road with it. Like if they if they were going to move him off shortstop, I feel like they probably would have done it by now. It's going to be kind of awkward at this point, which is not to say they shouldn't with the right circumstance, but they had all these shortstops they could have signed this offseason, and they went with Chapman instead. Um, and, yeah, it seems like they're kind of committed to that. Getting either of them signed to a long-term deal is going to be a challenge. Like, we referenced their, you know, the financial background they come from before. Definitely, you know, it plays a role. Like, we saw players like Acuna and Albies be more inclined to sign these mm-hmm. extensions. And, you know, it's kind of crass and cynical way of looking all, at all that, but they don't yeah, they don't have the same sense of urgency as some of these other guys that come into the league. And, we, you know, we saw Juan Soto turn down a pretty big extension offer, which is totally valid, and trying to get closer to free agency. And, you know, I'd be very surprised if the Blue Jays were able to get either of these guys signed to an extension in the near future because they know how close they are to making this, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, quite literally, especially in Vladdy's case. And it, it's tough to get someone to walk, not walk away from that, but sort of choose security when the carrot on the end of that, it, you know, is so substantial. And we saw what Corey Seager got. We saw what Marcus Semyon got. You know, these guys would hit free agency at a very young age as well. We know how the league is obsessed with youth and sort of aging curves, and that's how they project players out. The paydays these guys could potentially get is insane. And, you know, if I were them, I'd be reticent to sign an extension as well. No, I, I think you're right. And it, it, you're right. Like Acuna and Albi, it's like that, you know, it's not life changing money for Guerrero and Bichette because their dads made 70 million, 130 million, or whatever they made, you know, whatever Vlad Sr. made. Um, you know, that's not their money, but it, but it's not the same. It's just, it's absolutely just, it's not the same. Um, <laughs> I will say, just as we were speaking before about, um, Dante's comments about Bo getting underneath the fastball. And I looked at, when I saw the, the grab ball rate, I looked at an old clip of, uh, I think it was Joe Siddle talking about Vlad in 2019 when he was just beating the ball in the carpet. And, uh, cause you brought up the conditioning and I was just like, whoa, <laughs> he was quite a bit bigger, uh, in 20. And I think it was, I think it was a clip from like early 2020. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a different uh, human now. There's to his cre- to his credit, I mean, he's not he's not as he was when he was seventeen. Who among us could say that? But uh, but yeah, that that was uh, as an aside. That was uh, 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 <laughs> quite quite interesting to me to 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 revisit that because I was like, you know, because he was because ta- I think Siddle was also talking about Bo and, and Dante was talking about Bo and how it's time it's about timing and about not. Not getting on the fastball, he's like, "You're not late, but you're just you were dropping your shoulder and whatever." Um, and a lot of, like, you know, timing was of course a big thing about Vlad, you know, in 2019, 2020, about how that was the issue. It's like he's he's hitting the ball in the in the carpet a lot, uh, and it wasn't that you know it's not that he lacks back speed because he absolutely doesn't, and neither does Bo. But it's about like actually being able to time it up, uh, and. I don't know. I thought that I, I I thought that would be interesting, and then I looked at Vlad from <laughs> like June twenty twenty. I was like, "Whoa, buddy! Okay, I guess I think I see it now." Yeah, we're, we were doing uh, back then. 
we're bouncing around topics here, which is is valid because you know not too many people are eager to talk about something of a painful game. I think we'll find that if our Blue Jays happy hour record, which currently sits at two and one, uh, if it gets worse over time. If in on the topic of extensions, like the guy I'm looking at, if I'm the Toronto Blue Jays right now, is Teoscar Hernandez. Like this guy is approaching free agency and there's always been you know i think there's been that shadow of doubt with him because we've seen so much swing and miss in his game in the past we've seen defensive deficiencies in the past but for me you know since sort of the beginning of 2020 or so or halfway through 2019 however you want to slice that he's been a really elite hitter like one of the very best hitters in the league and uh you know because he's a corner bat because he won't be quite as young as some of these guys are when they hit free agency He's someone, I mean, he'll cost good money, undoubtedly, but uh, he's the guy that if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm thinking about the kind of near future. You know, I want to invest in him. You know, with Gurriel, you could say, do I want to invest in this guy or not? That's still kind of a question. With Hernandez, I think you kind of definitively do want to invest in him. He's probably more inclined to sign an extension than some of these other guys. And, you know, the rubber is going to hit the road on that a little bit sooner. So if I'm thinking the world of extensions, I'm thinking about the guy that the Blue Jays could you know, really used right now, and we're going to see him soon, and he was definitely missed today. That's the player that's sort of top of mind. Yeah, I think that's, you know, nothing bad to say about Teoscar. I think that he just seems like a cool guy as well, like, which uh, which means something to these uh, to these Blue Jays. Uh, not that Guriel doesn't, but yeah, I think they just both the, have good cool guy quotients for sure. 100%, okay, 100%. Oscar is a beauty. Like, I've dealt with Teoscar a little bit, and uh, Definitely one of the better guys you'll run across. You can just tell, yeah, yeah, and and I, yeah, I think that the, I think you're right, and also I think they kind of have like I don't I, I like I don't quote me on whoever is like coming up free agency at that time, but I think Gorel and Teoscar are going to be free agents the the same year as like Ryu, and then there, there's there's a Chapman I think now, and there's uh, you know they're going to have to make some choices. Uh, and I think you're right that Teoscar would probably be a good choice. And you know, I think you're also right that we've seen some reasons why I'm not a big lineup protection kind of guy necessarily, but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to have uh, Teoscar hitting behind Vlad at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm more of a good hitter type of guy. And when you have a lot of good hitters, <laughs> it seems like you score some runs. He's definitely one of them. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice to see him in some of the spots we saw in this game and, you know, there's no guarantee he would have been the difference, but he's the type of guy who might've been the difference. Um, yeah, I know before we wrap this up, we'll do a last call for callers. We appreciate you, uh, stepping up a couple times, Rob, if anyone has a last thought, we will take it on. And otherwise, I don't know Stone, if you had any last thoughts, I would be happy to hear them, but otherwise we can. Sure. Well, I'm going through the chat here. I mean, there's a Derek Holland comment, which, uh, I mean, don't think we really have to worry about him ever. Um, <laughs> there's enough to eat up your mental bandwidth in your life in 2022 uh, i wouldn't worry about uh, uh george jorge bell's mustache uh you can't have tapia getting five at bats and vladdy standing in the on deck circle uh with his bat in his hand this is not 1982 uh, i hardly disagree with that one yeah <laughs> i don't understand the whole the whole thing yeah, uh, I mean, I know Vlad. Like we've already been through it. Like Vlad doesn't like to uh, 
to hit third, but uh, it would or hit second. It would be nice to hit, see him hit second. Yeah, Tapia never needs to lead off. Like you could do the whole money ball. Does he get on base scene with Rymel Tapia? And the answer is definitively at this point no. I think he's taken one walk all season. He's had a little bit of bad batted ball luck. He's actually hit the ball harder than you might have thought and fewer ground balls. But the reality is he never walks. He doesn't hit enough. Uh, five at bats for him is at least one too many. Uh, I would say that's accurate. Uh, though you're right, uh, like balls in the air, which you know that that video that went around when he first signed, you know the wor- the best worst player in baseball or whatever it is, m- made some good points. Juice I think him getting ball in the air is, is okay, but uh, you know not when it's just shooting it out to the right fielder, <laughs> and uh, you know. That seems like stuff you can work on in uh, in Colorado, as opposed to a team that actually has like aspirations to be real good, which these Jays should and do, except for how <laughs> they don't score enough runs as yet. But maybe will. One hopes. Okay, well, let's wrap that here. Again, we appreciate you guys you guys coming out. Uh, we know, you know, after a game, sometimes uh, you want to disengage from all things Blue Jays. We 100% understand that. Um, we hope that people who are listening later are finding us on the other platforms, on Apple and Spotify. And we've had comments. I think, you know, that addition to the tile is helping. I think people are finding it. We appreciate the ratings and reviews and whatnot more than ever because we're establishing this new RSS. And I can't pretend to understand how algorithms work but people rating it and people giving reviews is helpful. And we are kind of starting from scratch in a sense. So we absolutely appreciate that. And we will talk to you again on Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.